Hi, my name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mammoth Moms podcast. We are here at Bell Works today on a colder, wintry December day. Is it is that Murphy's Law when you have something to go to and your spouse also has something to go to for work and your children call like from the nurse? Is that like a thing? Whatever could go wrong yeah. goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> um, because we're normally home, but you know, the few times like when I'm recording the podcast or whatever, and uh, just like a crazy morning getting here, but it all you worked it. out. I made it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my, I'm lucky. My kids like knock on wood are usually pretty healthy. Like not a lot of like colds and ear infections. We kind of got, you know what? They're both daycare kids. So they got all the like, you know, they were sick a lot during Mm -hmm. those years. But now I feel like I'm like not I forget. I'm like, oh, you're okay, right? You're sick. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, anyway, well, you made it here today. I did. Oh. I did. Um, so, thank you so much for joining Harla Rudolph. Um, we are so excited to um, learn more about your um, your speech practice and um, delve into speech therapy and uh, talk. I'll talk a little bit about my ex- um, experience as um, a mom with a child with, um, I guess, speech delays, early speech delays. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me, thanks for joining. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from. Um, I know you're a Monmouth County mom. I am. So thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. I've never been in Bellworks studio. It's uh, the it's whole cool building. Here. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my name is Harla Rudolph. I'm a speech pathologist. I've been a speech pathologist now for 26 years already. I can't wow. believe that. Yes. Um, I actually grew up in Staten Island and I went to Binghamton for my undergrad and then um, decided actually the way I got into speech was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. So it was before there were computers and everyone registered online. So you literally had to wait online to register for your classes. And I just got on the shortest line that there was. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. And it was wow. It was a that's... speech class. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the shortest line. Yeah. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Okay. And I just kept taking more and more classes. Um, I loved studying for it. I just loved everything about it. And then it turns out Binghamton did not have a major for speech and they cut it. So I was going to either have to transfer or I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I actually commuted from Binghamton to um, Cortland in the snow. Yeah, because yeah. that's a cold area. Oh, very cold. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I knew this is what I wanted to do. Right. So I, I did that. Then um, went to CUNY Hunter College in the city oh. for grad school. Moved into the city. Lived there for about 12 years. Um, and... Then we, I got married, uh-huh. moved to Westchester. Ah, um, what part? So we lived in Mount Kisco okay. for a bit. And then we started, said, you know what, let's let's look for a house. Uh-huh. And 
we saw the prices at Westchester. We said this this is inc- this is incredible. This, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. I was born in at Lawrence Hospital in Bronxville, mm-hmm. and, we, and we lived there for a little bit. I think we lived there. My mom was always correcting. She'll listen on the podcast. She'd be like, "By the way, we did not live there. We lived in like different places. <laughs> yeah. We moved around a bit, like Queens, the Bronx, and mm-hmm. stuff." When I was little, until I was about seven, that's when we settled in Monmouth County. But um, but I, I've heard that Bronxville is beautiful. Like it's a gorgeous area. Yeah, and, yeah, very pricey. It is very pricey, <laughs> and you know, if we were first starting out. That wasn't going to happen. Um, so that's why we moved to New Jersey. My family lives here. Ah. Um, we started at an Old Bridge. Then we went to Manalapan. And now we're in Millstone. So we made oh, the full, the very full nice. move. Yeah. Millstone is nice. It's still like quiet horse it's, farms it's not it's not like how our area is getting we're like in that well i would it's like the 35 area where in middletown mm-hmm. and Hazlitt, where if on the weekend you like it's hard to it takes you probably an extra 10 15 minutes to get from like point a to point b than all the congestion which is not something that was the case when i was growing up so right. everything's changing <laughs> Everything you know, is. The building building so um we live, it's like literally the border of Manalapan, but okay. I literally have to make sure I give myself 30 minutes to get anywhere. Okay. <laughs> That's, I have to build that in. Yeah. But it's worth it for me. I love that it's quiet. My, yeah. you know, my family loves it. So it's really nice. Yeah. Um, is that near like La Lupa? Is that exactly okay. near La Lupa? Yeah. Yes. And there's um, like a building center, Millstone Building, Millstone Design hmm. Center, Millstone something. They're going to, I've worked Performing with them Performing Arts before. Center? No, it's like, um, general store and then they also have like a paint and it's right near La Lupa. I've worked with them before and I can't not coming to me. I'm trying to think. But um hmm. but yeah, they've been there for a long time too. It's a nice shop. So okay, I must have missed that one. Yeah. I'll have to go back and circle back and look <laughs> at it. Um so um so you settled here and I, I'm assuming you had your children. <laughs> right. But, um when, when I'll go back, I've yeah. actually first started working with adults. Oh, um very early on I worked at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. Okay. And um, I was literally thrown into chaos because I would be, you know, told to go um, evaluate adults with traumatic brain injury or gunshot wounds, like all these different things that I didn't even know that speech was. Mm-hmm. I, f- I actually fell in love with it, working with adults, but I uh, decided it was a little too sad for me, actually. I would come home once a week. Mm-hmm cry it out, just cry for all my patients, and then go back again. And I said, I just, I can't keep this up. Wow. Yeah. So um, I said, you know what, I'm going to try working with kids. And then I never left. I worked in schools. Um, I was a clinical director for an early intervention agency in New York. Okay. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I said, you know, I think it's time I'm going to start my own, my own practice. And that was 13 years ago. Okay. I started, it was just me by myself in a room, in a small room. Um, and then little by little, it just kind of grew and grew. A lot is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do a ton of advertising. I mm-hmm. think it speaks for itself when parents can tell other parents, you know, um, they really helped me. Uh, so we had the Morganville Center, and then I opened up Monroe, and then Princeton. And then recently in 2019, I added ABA therapy. Do you know what ABA therapy is? No. So it's applied behavioral analysis therapy. It's a therapeutic intervention for children with autism. Oh. Um, The reason why I got into that, that was not my initial idea, but I would find that parents would be constantly coming up to me and telling me how upset they were because the agencies they worked with, it was constant turnover. They would get therapists that didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And- Speech therapy and ABA therapists 
work very closely together. Right. So all the children that would come to our center were also getting outside ABA therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just literally parent after parent after parent telling me this. Wow. So finally I said, enough. I'm just going to start our own um, program. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And able to do it our way, which we know, I'm not saying other people, you know, I don't want to put down other companies, but I just know how we run our company. And, you know, it's everything bottom line is based on what we call our babies. Mm -hmm. It's based on our, our, our babies and our families and making sure that they get what they want. And, and now it's really such a beautiful marriage of the two. Right. Um, we also have physical therapy and occupational therapy. So it's a multidisciplinary. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain okay. because yeah. it could be a little confusing, right? So yeah. we're a multidisciplinary center. So parents can come, their kids could get speech, ABA, OTPT. Okay. I own the speech and the OT. And then there's another company called Ready, Set, Grow, and they're right across the oh, hall. Oh, yeah. I you know, think I know them. You've heard yeah. of them? Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we work together. So a child can come and, like I said, they can get speech. And then the speech therapist could walk the child over to, to occupational therapy. And we're all working together. So that's it's so not nice. piecemeal. Everyone's on the same page. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's a big problem, I think, in the healthcare industry in general, that like you are being treated by different people. And Agreed. It's, it's very disconnected. So that, that's a story for a different day, I'm sure. <laughs> no, that I could go on and on. Very disconnected. Yeah. So yeah. I do find that. Um, especially when kids are getting services in the school. And I often ask parents, oh, you know, what is your child working on? A parent, and parents really don't know. And it's not their fault because, mm -hmm. you know, the day, the pace of school, and then they're coming to get their child. And so we find that the kids that come to us from school have been in speech therapy for years and years and years. And there's no reason. We say, just come, come we'll um, target the goals. Mm -hmm. We'll work with the parent. So the parent knows what we're doing and they could work on home and let's graduate. Let's get them out of speech so they don't need to do it anymore. Right, right. So your practice is called? The Speech Tree. The Speech yes. Tree. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think that um, it kind of lends to what it's also turned into, right? Where you, you have a lot of different yes. branches, right? And resources available for families, which can be very frustrating. Um, so I'll get into a little bit about, um, you know, my experience with my son's speech, early speech mm -hmm. delays. Um, but tell me, uh, so you, you opened the practices um, kind of like early on or they did they all kind of evolve at, throughout your parenthood journey as well? So uh, the first one was 2009. I'll okay. forget my daughter was one years old. Uh -huh. And as my husband and I are like putting together the bookcases in this small room, my daughter's running around and it's a lot of when they say it takes a village, it literally takes a village. Yeah. So um, and I was able to you know, I don't, I don't want to give up my day job because, you know, it's a big risk. Totally. And it's scary. Yes. And so I said, you know what, I'll do um, some early intervention on the side. And that's the program through the state mm -hmm. where I'll see kids through early intervention. But yet I could see my own um, clients. Okay. And like I said, little by little, it started to grow. It started to grow. Um, and then I'll never forget this one. I found out that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when I went for um, sonogram, sonogram, mm -hmm. she said, as it looks now, there are two. So I found out I was having twins. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so that kind of threw my whole world upside down. Does, so the, the run in the family? Twins? He runs in the family. Okay. Okay. Um, and I was very pregnant with twins in this one space. And the landlord kicked me out 
Because, yes, because the other um, businesses were complaining that the children were too loud. There were children with autism. Uh-huh. So I was devastated. Oh, now, that's like, that's a big, like, tra- not traumatic experience, it, but just it's a big shift. You have your world, like, changing, mm-hmm. twins coming, and then everything that, like, you know, it's your baby. Like, right. people don't understand. They think, like, oh, you own a business. You must just be, you know, like, there's so much blood, sweat, and tears so, that go oh into it. Even the smallest little, you know, risk. So completely. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But it was the best thing that happened because we moved to a larger space. We were able to expand. um, And it all worked out. Yeah. I feel like it always works out in the end. You just got to keep, I tell my kids all the time, like, just keep doing the right thing and working Mm -hmm. hard. And it it works out. If you keep going after whatever that goal is, you know, just keep a little piece every day, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit. Consistency. Yep. Yep. um, So that's so interesting. So where did you move to? So when we we were in a townhouse in Old Bridge, as soon as we found out that we were having twins, I said, come on, let's get a, a you know, a minivan. Uh-huh. We need a bigger house. We got to get out of here. Yeah. And then we moved to Manalapan. Okay. Um, and that was where I had, you know, our twins. As, you know, we still pass by that house and my kids, you know, have all such great memories from it. Right. But we felt that as they grew up, we wanted to just be in a more quieter, quieter neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that's when we moved to Millstone right before COVID, oh. literally right before COVID. So how old are they now? So now my twins just turned 12 uh, on Friday, Uh and my daughter is a sophomore in high school. She's 15. Does Millstone have its own high school? Okay, where do they (laughs) go? They go to Allentown. Allentown, interesting. That's a trek and a half. Is it? Yes. Okay. I don't know enough about that part of Monmouth County. I probably should, but I don't. Um, I know it's very quiet and beautiful, and I'd probably prefer to live there, but I don't know enough about. Is it Upper Freehold also goes to Allentown? That's exactly what it is, Upper Freehold. So it's like Cream Ridge. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, It's all like very quiet. So how many kids are in the school? I don't even know. It's a small school. It's a small school. But Allentown is literally like Main Street USA. Yeah. If you drive in, it's exactly what it looks like. It's, they t- it's Hobby Town. Is that what they call it? Oh, I don't know. I think so. So you know more than me. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, because some of the people who run different recreation departments mm-hmm. know that they I add events to the calendar to spread awareness. So some departments are better than others, and like they'll send me things. I think that's what they call it, Tavi Town. Yeah, Never I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, that's great. Yeah. So, um, and then you're, and then they have an elementary school in Millstone or no? Yes. Primary school, elementary school, middle school, and then they go to- They all go to the one high school. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Good to know. Yeah. Learn something new every day. (laughs) Um, So so when did you open Princeton and- Actually, I never planned to do either of those things. I literally fell into both those spots. Okay. Literally. So I was working with an audiologist um, and she had a practice in Monroe. And she said, you know what? I always need a speech therapist. Come on, we have a room here. You should come. I said, no, I just one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't want it. She's like, come on, Harla. You know? So I said, fine. Okay, I'll, I'll go. You tell me you know, that you need me. We'll be there. Mm-hmm. So we started seeing clients and it started getting busier and busier. And we, we were not able to sustain being in one small room. So we had to open our own space in Monroe. Wow. So that's how that came to be. And actually, same thing happened in Princeton. I was working with an occupational therapist. She said, we need a speech therapist. We have one room. Just come. Just come. Started out with just one room. And then we grew out of that space. Wow. So 
clearly there's a need. Clearly. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so now you have a, a lot of um, a lot of locations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have different um, speech pathologists in each location? Yes. Do they work they only there? Do they come um, to your patients' homes? How does it work? So uh, we do a variety of things at the speech tree. So we do have center-based. Mm -hmm. I have speech therapists in each center as well as ABA therapists in each center. Um, we also have contracts with the New Jersey Department of Education. Mm -hmm. So I send therapists into the schools sometimes when ah. schools need therapists and they, they can't find someone in-house for some reason. They contract like with us. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Then um, ABA therapists typically do go in the home. We have ABA centers where kids can come and get their services there at the center, but some parents prefer the ABA in the home because there's so many hours. It's different like speech where it's a half hour, twice a week. Children that get ABA often are getting four or five, up to 10 hours a week. So and they're probably more comfortable at home too. And depending on the behaviors mm -hmm. that they're exhibiting, um, the behavior technicians and board certified behavioral analysts, the ones that kind of lead up the whole team, mm -hmm. they really make the recommendation if they feel that the home environment might be better for them. Okay. So and with the family, everyone makes that, you know, uh, decision together. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have said many times before, I was a young mom. I had my son when I was in college when he was, and I will preface this with, I felt because I was a young mom at the time that I did not want to be like a stereotypical young mother. So I very much felt alone, not only because like my friends didn't have kids and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but I also felt there wasn't social media back then. I think right. there might have been Facebook. I don't know, but it wasn't like how it is now. Um, so resources were very, like you read, I, you know, you, I actually read like what to, the, what the, what's the first book, the what to expect mm -hmm. the first year or whatever, expecting. Or, mm -hmm. or the first year, like, yeah, whatever they have. Right. Um, and uh, so I also was kind of, I guess, much not nervous, but just like always kind of like one step ahead of like trying to make sure that he was developing properly and, you know, just like do doing all the right things and breastfeeding for as long as I possibly could mm -hmm. have and all of those things. So when he was 18 months, he was not speaking at all, like not a word, nothing, mom, dad, like nothing, literally. Was he, I have to go into my, you know, put my speech hat on. I just have, yeah. was he pointing? Was he gesturing? Was he I trying to communicate or was just I think, I don't remember, he's mm -hmm. going to be 20, so it's okay, been a while. Okay, a while ago. Um, so I recall that he was just frustrated a lot. Mm -hmm. So I remember him like being very like like rambunctious. And I knew that was kind of boys, but at the same time, like he was just like exhibiting more anger versus like, sure. you know, anything else because he probably, and in hindsight, it's because he couldn't just communicate, right? So I th I brought it to the doctor's attention, and she was great as a pediatrician. She actually moved to South Carolina. I was so bummed when Aww. she had she was his doctor until he was like fifteen, I think. Um, so she did um, was very proactive, right, about great. the situation. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was a state pro um, program because we were you know lower income, obviously at the time um, that I guess I qualified for, and it was pretty easy. Like I remember, like signing up and then someone just came and evaluated him in our home mm -hmm. and they said yes he qualifies because he wasn't speaking and they came once a week mm -hmm. so this happened for a year and a half <laughs> now um i just remember thinking like she was very nice mm -hmm. and 
I couldn't understand like what I just felt like, okay, this is all that's available. Right. And I'm doing everything I could. And this is what it is. And he every day, every week they're working with him for one hour. But I remember like him sitting at the table and he never wanted to like sit with her. I, I like they, she, they sat together at the table and she would like bring different toys or whatever. And he would just throw them back at her. And then I don't know. I don't remember any progress being made ever. I got like a report. Sometimes I would sit with them, sometimes not. And was she teaching you what to do or was it no. just okay? No. No, there mm. was not any. I mean, maybe like a little bit, but I don't right. remember having much like of like a here's, you know, what you need mm -hmm. to do with him. Um and then when he turned three, he that was it. He started talking and he never stopped and never had any speech impediments. Like it was very it was strange. It was a weird experience because like there was clearly an issue, but then he kind of started speaking and that was it. However, I've talked about this on the podcast before. He did have ADD um, or which is, I guess they don't say that anymore, it's ADHD. ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, and he did struggle in school. Um, I've also said many times I felt as though he, when he tested for like ADHD and stuff, I always felt like there was maybe like some type of dyslexic component because he did struggle with writing sometimes and like things would be kind of be like actually backwards, right? Um, and did in he hindsight, get that diagnosis? Of, no. no, I tried and like they said no, like that's mm -hmm. not what he, you know. So keep in mind that this is kind of, you know, in the early stages of like where there was less, a lot less resources, a lot less awareness, you know, there wasn't like how Instagram now where like there's just so many different things at your fingertips that you can kind of communicate with not only like other um, resources available, but parents, right, in the same boat. Um, so I didn't have that network, and I just kind of said, like, well, this is all that there is. And but in in hindsight, I w I think that we missed something, and that like our his experience in school probably would have been different if I had known that like you know, he probably needs some type of like occupational therapy that I just mm -hmm. wasn't aware of. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, obviously you can't go back, but, and he's fine. He's doing great. And I've said that too, but, um, but it's really frustrating. Right. Um, and being in that, in that boat, because you don't know what to do when you want the best for your child. And, um, you know, you, you think that you're maybe giving them the best, um, out there, but there, there could be other things available to you. So, so tell me. Okay. So tell first me. <laughs> I want to say moms are always the first to want to beat themselves up right. because of what they did or what they're not doing. And I always say you are the biggest advocate for your child and you were, and it all works out in the end, right? right? Because you were not to men, you know, dads are too, but right. I just know moms go with their guts. So yes, that is, you, you're talking about the early intervention system through the state mm -hmm. and it really has its advantages. But what I found, and this is based off just what parents are telling me when they're coming to the speech tree, coming to the practice, um, and it has changed a bit from what it sounds like. So the eligibility requirements are, um, it's not always so easy to be found eligible for, or to get early intervention for speech because you have to have a 33% delay in one area or 25% delay in two areas. Mm -hmm. Let me explain what that means. So for the language for speech therapy, they test two different parts. There's receptive language mm -hmm. and expressive language. Receptive language means they're testing what the child understands. Can they follow direction? Can they identify objects? Expressive is meaning what they're saying, the, the words that they're using. Well, what they do is they combine those scores. So if your child is understanding everything but not saying a word, 
it could bring up their score and then they wouldn't qualify. That's I crazy. see that a lot. Wow. Yep. Another thing that I, I'm hearing from parents is that they the state does not, and again, this is just from what I'm hearing from parents. Mm-hmm. I just want to preface that. And this is what I see too. Um, if a child is two and under, you're not getting a speech therapist that comes to your home. What they do do is they assign a developmental interventionist. And that is either a special educator. I actually had a parent tell me a nurse came to their home to provide speech therapy. I was what? flabbergasted <laughs> by that. So wow. it was very interesting. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure why they do that. I think what they feel is you're working on foundation skills. So um, a special educator could do that instead of a speech therapist. I'm not sure why. Okay. But I know that a speech language pathologist, a licensed speech language pathologist should be the one providing the treatment for a child that has a delay in language. Right. Bottom line. Makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> and for the most part, being in a, in a parent's home, being in the child's home, it's very convenient. Mm-hmm. It's it's really great because you, you should be doing parent training, working with the parent. Sometimes it doesn't work for kids because... Usually they're the king of the castle, right? They have their, their, their way. They run away. It's hard. Too many distractions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'm hearing this from parents where they say it's just not working out. Yeah. Um, or sometimes the mandate is one time a month consultation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not enough. No. Right? I, yeah. Consistency, I'd, I'd imagine. Yep. So they'll they'll come to our center, and mm-hmm. what we do is we do our own evaluation. And what that looks like is, of course, for the little ones, we bring a parent in with us. Right. So especially three and under, the parent comes in. We will try to do a standardized test, but mostly we're looking um, at parent report, what they're saying, and observing the child. So what are we looking at? Play skills. We get so much information from play skills. Like you said, that he was just throwing the toys, right? There could be a, a number of reasons why he's doing that, but that's what we need to find out. Okay. Is it that he doesn't know how to play with toys? Is it that he has poor attention and he's going from toy to toy to toy and he can't attend to one toy at a time? Mm-hmm. Is, is like, like I said, he does not know what to do with it. Um, that's how he communicates. There's so much information we can get from that. Right. And so we're looking at play, receptive skills, expressive skills, mm-hmm. their speech skills. And then with the parent, at the end of the evaluation, we say, this is what we find. These are your child's strengths. I always start with the strengths because there are always so many strengths, even if right. even if it's the littlest thing. Well, that's because that's so important for moms to hear because yes. they, they're just, like you said, beating themselves up and they just know, like they feel like they're failing their, ch- their child and that they're not thriving, right? Mm-hmm. Because all you want is your child to thrive and be socially accepted and be, yes. you know, be growing in all the different areas that you need, want them to grow in. So like leading with that. Always. is great. <laughs> yes. Because there always is, no matter what. Right. Right. Um, and then their challenges mm-hmm. um, and what the recommendations would be. Often, you know, what's the first thing a parent's going to recognize? My child's not speaking, right? So usually we're the first stop. We're the speech therapist that they come to us. We wear so many hats because often we may see something else concomitant going on. Interesting. It happens a lot. So how often is a speech delay um, uh, combined with some other type of delay? Like, is that most mm-hmm. of the time or is that it just, it's dependent on like, it the It depends. Time? Okay. So that's why we speak to the parent at length and we get a medical background. It's mm-hmm. so important. If a parent's telling me my child had recurrent ear infections and was constantly 
Um, in and out of the doctor because of ear infections, I'm thinking they could have had fluid in their ear. Mm. So think about a young child that has fluid in their ear. So they're not hearing all the sounds appropriately. It's mm. like they're underwater. Okay. 150% that's going to affect a child's speech and language development. Interesting. So what about any problems in pregnancy? Does that, is that linked at all? It, so uh, premature births, okay. low birth weight. Um, yes, absolutely. Interesting. So what we would do is we refer, right? So we can only stay within our scope. Mm -hmm. Once we see that there's something else going on, we may refer. So I would refer to an audiologist if a child's had recurrent ear infections. Because it might be an actual physical, not something that is right. right. Okay, got it. So sometimes what I hear is, oh, but my pediatrician did a hearing test. And I say, no, that's a screening. Oh. It's very different. Or a parent might say, but they turn when they hear a car. And I say, yes, but that's very different. And it's I like just, a vibration. Well, yeah, that. And I want to explain why. So speech sounds have different frequencies. We want to, an audiologist will make sure that your child is hearing all the frequencies. Oh. It's not just a screen. We really want to make sure. So I always say, can you imagine we're doing therapy for a year and then we found out that he's not hearing everything? Let's just rule it out. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, what are some of the other things that uh, um, will lead you to maybe like um, either working with an occupational mm -hmm. therapist or... Yes. So a lot of the children that we see also do get occupational therapy. Okay. Um, so occu an occupational therapist will look at fine motor skills, but also sensory skills. Mm -hmm. When we talk about sensory processing, we all have our body all pro processes sensory information in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example. My twins. I had a sandbox. One was on the outside of the sandbox. One was on the inside of the sandbox with sand all over his head. Mm -hmm. The one with sand all over his head was a seeker. He loved all that sensory information. The other one on the outside was he um, was over overly sensitive, right? So he wanted to stay away from it. He he would his body process it too much. Mm -hmm. So. If you're looking at a child's sensory system, that can affect the way they process information, mm. visual information, of uh, auditory information, tactile information. So let's just say a child comes in for an evaluation and I see a child in constant motion. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're constantly moving, going up and down. Some a parent might say to me, I think they have ADHD, right? right. That's their first guess because that's what they know of. But I say often, you know what, let's just see if this may be a sensory issue. Okay. And so I would refer to an occupational therapist because they need additional input to their bodies to keep them regulated. Oh. And often when kids are dysregulated, they can't pick up skills because they're in constant motion. How could you teach a child a skill or even learn to communicate when they're in constant motion or dysregulated. So the two work together. Work together. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's in interesting. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about kids who perhaps didn't have early speech delays, but maybe um, they go to school mm -hmm. and their teachers start recommending that they see speech. I know actually my sister, when we, she went to speech therapy in school, um, mm -hmm. my daughter goes to um, a Catholic school and I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I'm speaking for them, but I don't think that they would have speech therapy. There, they don't have those, yeah, yeah. Um, so, is that the same now? Does it work the same? Where like there's in school support, and does is that valuable? Um, my daughter was she's in third grade. The other day, she was saying like, there's like we've gotten 
like where it's cute, where they talk and like they kind of talk and they're they talk like little people. I love but it. But that right. But then the other day she was like, and I I can't go get them. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. I was like, Gracie, I think you start need to start saying them. <laughs> like, no. Sometimes you just want to hold on to yeah. that because it's too cute. It is cute. But is that like? Is that an issue? You know what I mean. I, We're like, yes. you can't be in sixth grade saying dumb. <laughs> so, right, right. Like, I, but I, I hear, what, I hear what you're saying. Right. So, a lot of times, let's just say we do the evaluation, or the school does the evaluation. They will tell you, yes, that's age appropriate, or no, it's not. Okay. So the th sound is one of the last later developing sounds, and if she's what we say, if she's stimulable for it. So if you said to your daughter and you showed her and she could do it, and she could do it often, mm -hmm. then typically not an issue, right? right. Okay. Um, but I, I think. All therapy is 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 valuable in some sense. And mm -hmm. so the schools do provide services, but it's the same thing where there's an eligibility requirement, 33% mm -hmm. delay in one area, 25% delay in two areas. Okay. So you have to qualify. Mm -hmm. And not all kids qualify. Or if they do qualify, they're grouped in a group of three and they're not getting the individual attention. So often they... Um, in addition to school therapy they're getting in school, they supplement with outside therapy. Okay. And what's important is we work together with the school speech therapist. So we're not doing two separate things. Mm -hmm. We certainly don't want to confuse the child or, you know, um, teach them two different things. So we're working in conjunction with, this, with the therapists in school. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it true, I don't even know where I heard this, that um, boys are more inclined to have a speech delay than girls? So there's so much research about it. Mm -hmm. um, research says no, but I will tell you, in my in my practice, in my experience, I say yes. It's so interesting. Yes, um, and there is more prevalence for autism in boys than girls. Yeah. So yeah. that also drives that. Oh, you those know, numbers. numbers. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, so what? So you're a mom, right? And yep. maybe you, you know, your second or third child, or maybe your first two. They spoke great, and then, or maybe where right, you had two mm -hmm. girls and then a boy, and he's not speaking. Oh, boys speak late. You know, they say um, everyone says different things, yep. right? Um, what are some of the things that you should look out for? Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, we, we we said earlier, listen to your gut. But really, you know, if you, you don't want to be an alarmist, but at the same time, what are the some of the um, signs, right, that you can um, look for to really advocate for your child and know whether or not you need to bring this to their, their pediatrician? Yeah, um, good question. So there are different red flags, what we call them, mm -hmm. um, at different stages of development. Um, so the first thing that we look at when the child is under one, mm -hmm. you're, you're thinking as they're a baby baby, is their play skills, mm -hmm. um, also their social, emotional, and their interaction, right? Are they interacting when you think about it? When you're even as uh, an infant and, a, and an, a under one, you're playing peekaboo and you're having that back and forth interaction. If you find that your child is not answering to their name, mm -hmm. um, not engaging with you, you know, to me that is... Uh, of concern. When the child starts getting older, and one of the things I know the pediatricians are very, very good at doing screenings, but one of the things they always ask is how many words do they have? Mm -hmm. I don't really ask that question. A uh, question that I think is important is how does you, is your child communicating? Okay. So if your child can't say the words, are they trying to communicate by pointing, bringing your hand to an object, handing an object to you for assistance? That's showing that they have intent to communicate mm. um, and that they want to. Okay. 
that if without that missing piece where where they're they're not intending to communicate to me that's somewhat of a red flag okay um or uh, a question that a pediatrician may ask a mom is is your child following directions mm -hmm. and then the parent says yes you know they're able to go go get their shoes but what i ask is are they able to follow a direction without you pointing you know giving them the visual cue or a, is it that's a routine thing that they know every day. Right. Um, or not putting words together at two years old, you start to start to put words together. Okay. Those are those are some red flags you might look for. Yeah. So if they haven't said an A word by like, is there is that like a thing? A year. I say year. a year they okay. should have a meaningful word. It doesn't have to be um a hundred percent clear. Mm -hmm. We know that kids leave off the ends of words by three. They have um you know, articulation errors, completely mm -hmm. age appropriate, but they should at least have a meaningful word by one. To, and then we give them time to like 15 months. Mm -hmm. um, by 15 to 18 months, you know, five to 10 words. Now the standards, they just changed it. The CDC just came out with, they're always coming out with some new uh, uh, milestones. But from the milestones that I know, by age two, you should have about, you know, up to upwards of 500 words. It's a lot of words. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny that you mentioned the ever-changing guidelines. We had oh. um, an allergist on last, um, Dr. Giacomo from Hackensack Meridian mm -hmm. last week, and we were talking about um, food, introducing foods. Uh, and now it's flipped, where you're actually supposed to yep. introduce them sooner rather than later, which is so interesting and kind of annoying because it's like, what? Come on. <laughs> like, everything's well, always changing. It is. <laughs> and know? interestingly enough, um, so we do feeding therapy too. I forgot to mention. Okay. That's a big part of speech therapy. Spe we do speech language and feeding therapies. Okay. Therapy. Not all speech therapists are feeding therapists, but we happen to have feeding specialists at our practice. Okay. So... Um, what I found is with allergies, you saw in other countries, the prevalence of allergies is much lower. And I never understood why. And upon some of the research they're finding is the later you introduce the foods, that's why they're having the allergies. You're better off introducing them earlier. Right. So I'm assuming that's why yes. they changed the guidelines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why we see children with for feeding therapy, so... Um, Kids can be a picky eater, let's say. A parent comes to us and they're eating, you know, four or five foods. We want to see what the underlying reason is. Mm -hmm. Is it because something motoric where they can't chew or manage the foods? Mm -hmm. Is it sensory? They don't like the way the food feels in their mouth. Is it medical? They have something going on with, let's say, reflux and an upset tummy so they don't want to eat. Or is it behavioral? So where now they've learned that mealtime is hard, so I'm going to refuse foods. Okay. So the muscles we use to speak are the muscles we use to eat. So we work in conjunction and we do feeding therapy as well. Oh, for under five, is that like, or is it over five too? So we actually have feeding specialists that work with newborns. Oh, wow. So um, there are children that may have uh tongue ties mm -hmm. and they're not able to latch on to the breast or the bottle mm -hmm. um, or they have a weak suck swallow pattern and so they need help with positioning or different bottle tips or mm -hmm. so we have um, specialists that are able to help moms with that okay and then up up until you know um, school age we're working with kids that have a very limited repertoire of foods in in their diet 
Okay. So it's zero to, you know, to school age for that. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, continued adv- advocacy for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, is speech therapy part of like IEP plans or mm-hmm. um, how does that work? So for three and under, uh-huh. it's early intervention mm-hmm. and they have an IFSP, which is individualized family service plan. Okay. And then once they turn three, they age out of early intervention. Um, and they would, if they were getting state, if they're going by the state program, and then they could get an IEP in preschool. Um, and then the IEP would go through them throughout school. That's the individualized education plan. Okay. They, again, they would have to qualify and continue to qualify. So yeah, if they max their they goals, yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and through all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say that those goals are also very academic based. It has to affect academic skills or you will not qualify. Yes. So, and that's the difference for a lot of the families that come to us where they may have an articulation difficulty, but it's not affecting their academics, but it's affecting them socially. Um, it's affecting their confidence, you know, uh, so there's no reason for that. We could work on that. We could, you know, oh, help clean it up and then, nice. you know, and help them. And work with them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On average for like elementary um, age students or kids, um, how often, how long will they work for it with you? Or does that really depend on like the um, the issue, I guess? Yes, it does depend on the issue. Okay. Um, there's so many factors. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a great answer for that. So it depends on the issue. There's some kids that come in and have just like a mild lisp. Mm-hmm. And there are other kids that come in and have a lot of different deficits going on. So they may have uh, a language delay where they should be speaking in conversations, but they only are speaking in one word. Or they have um, a speech delay where none are, you can't understand anything that they're saying. Mm-hmm. So there's such a range that we see. And also, we talk about working with the families. The more that the families are involved and work with their kids at home, the faster you you will see success. Oh. If a child has a lisp, is it always like something that you can work through or not always? Well, yeah. I always. mean, like um, you can correct it basically. Yes. Always. Okay. When uh, there's always a but, right? right? So if you have a child that's sucking their thumb, uh-huh. we can't work on speech therapy to correct that list because they're continually sucking their thumb, which makes their tongue go forward, forward, Is forward. Is that what forward. it's from? Not always, ah. but we do see that a lot. So yeah. if an adult has a lisp, it's something that they was just never corrected. I see many adults with lisps. Really? They don't, they don't have their R's. I'm so in tune with it. Ah. Other people may not realize, but I hear it all the time. Lateral lists, frontal lists, they don't have their R's. And I, I oh, as a speech therapist, I cringe, but because this all could be corrected. Yeah. Do, um, do anyone come, does anyone come to you to, if they have like a thick accent? Is that something that like they try? I don't see that often. Uh-huh. Um, I, it's funny that you said that because when I worked um, back in the day and I worked in the Bronx, we did have a program there because a lot of the doctors were international doctors and their the couldn't patients understand couldn't them. understand them. So we work with them. Um, for, they called it foreign accent reduction to help them, yeah, help help them so the patients can understand. Yeah, I could see actors too, like needing that mm-hmm. service, you know, for different roles or whatever. Yeah, That's that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like traveling all over yeah. the place. In my working. next life, I'll do that. <laughs> um, so what are, tell me about your plans for the practice. Um, you're obviously very busy. Um, uh, any 2024 plans, any yes. services that you're adding? Yes, it's very exciting. So um, my, the love of, 
of my, of what I love to do is always the babies. I always talk about the preschoolers. It's my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, a one of my ABA therapists and a speech pathologist of mine came to me and they said, Harla, we really see a need out there that's not being met. Okay. Um, what's happening is these a lot of children with autism are growing up, and once they age out of school, there's nothing for them. There's there's nothing for them to do. Um, and this happened. I have a nephew that's in his 20s. The same thing happened to him. Mm-hmm. So I personally, I saw this happen. Um, and parents are coming to them and saying, what do we do? Uh, so there's tons of state programs that can help you with vocational skills. But we also wanted to add to that in order to provide resources to families. So mm-hmm. we're starting something called a Growing Roots. And that is um, three different programs. So the first one would be children um, that can come and they just socialize in the community, mm-hmm. right? So they'll be able to meet peers and socialize in the community. The second one would be where we're teaching them vocational skills, okay. starting to teach them skills. And the third would be actually sending them with an ABA therapist into the community and working with businesses and having them either volunteer or get a job. That's great. And and teaching them those skills. Um, so again, not enough resources. It's it's very sad to see that the kids, as they become young adults, it's, parents are like, well, now what? Yeah. So we, yeah. we're looking to, to fill that need. Oh, that's so great. I yeah. know No Limits Cafe does a lot yep. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another one that's not coming to mind in Monmouth County. There's popcorn. Uh, yes. They're, oh, they're always at Belvoir over here. Um, they sell the popcorn Oh, here. they do? Great. Yeah. They, they might actually be here today. Oh, great. Yeah. It's really good. I'll stop in. I'll stop in. <laughs> popcorn. Yeah. No, they're great. They're so Oh, I love that. Um, but yes, you're right. There, there's probably so much more that can be done there. So um, yeah. if there's anything that you that you didn't need to provide for awareness, just let me know, you know, to um, help, oh, you know, mom, like parents yes. like find out about stuff like yes. that. That's cool. Yes. Um, so we'll talk, we'll talk offline about that. Absolutely. Um, so you're still a busy mom of three, mm-hmm. you know, in the, I, I, I say to the teen years can be not, it's a different busy, right? You're different. You become the chauffeur yep. and just the, you know, you, you, being home sometimes is a little bit more important, I think, just to keep an eye on what the heck they're doing, the friends mm-hmm. and all of that. So um, tell me what you like to do with your family now with the, I'm sure they're all, in all kinds of cool activities and stuff. Yes. So um, I've actually added another job. I'm going to be wearing another hat. <laughs> so as much as I'm starting to get more time at home with my kids, um, because, you know, as and I always say that about being a speech therapist, you a lot of times get to make your own schedule, which is so amazing. As my kids were growing up, I was able to be with my kids for everything mm-hmm. because you're able to make your own schedule. But now I'm adding, I'm going to, in January, going to be an adjunct professor at Monmouth University. Oh, how fun. And teaching pediatric language disorders at the graduate level. That's very so cool. So adding that, um, I love to teach. So okay. I'm really, really excited for that. Um, but that... Will be once a week, so not so bad. I'll still have time. Manageable. It's manageable. It's yeah. manageable. But yeah, I'm constantly chauffeuring our kids around. And my daughter, she just finished band season, and I don't know if you have ever met a band mom, but no. Oh my goodness, it's it is intense. Really, I literally did not see her for two months. Oh. It's the most intense thing. The marching band, and they compete. 
Um, They competed at MetLife Stadium. It's actually incredible, but it's very time consuming. So I hadn't seen her for two months. When band season ended, I was like, oh, there you are. Welcome home. I hadn't seen her, so it was nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very cool. It's intense. Yeah. The competition across the board, all the sports, my stepdaughter is in softball and I never see my husband. He's gone like every weekend. Mm -hmm. And like, he just told me the schedule for this coming summer and I was like, oh, great. Like, (laughs) (laughs) we were not going anywhere and um, he's going to be, I think he's in Colorado twice. Like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's, they don't mess around. This, no. These travel teams. <laughs> no. I, you know, and the, the child has to really love what they're doing yes. because, you know, when my boys were younger and my husband wanted to play baseball and they would cry, I don't want to go. I said, at what point do we say, you know, they don't want to do it. Let's just find something else. I agree. Like, I mean, have to love it. I was talking to you know, on the way in here about my daughter's activities. I think she's in six right now. Like that's not going to last. And most of it's pretty manageable. Some like I think half of them are run through the school. So she's she goes to, like aftercare program anyway. So she'll go to like choir and then she'll you mm-hmm. know go back and or she'll. Um, uh, what else does she do at the school? She just started doing cheer. So like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's kind of all stuff that like I don't have to bring her to and from. I kind of just pick her up afterwards. Um, but then she does tennis and she's in Girl Scouts. And what else is she doing? It's a lot. Oh, and acting class she loves. Oh, my daughter um, did that as well. Yeah. Where is she doing it? At the Middletown Arts Center. Oh, okay. Um, which is great. They have a great program there. And it's nice because they they take the class like all season, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end, they're like in a performance Love that it. everyone can come to. So my son did that too. He loved it. He was um, up until like his sophomore year in high school, he used to do like all the plays in the schools mm-hmm. and he did it privately too. It was very fun. So both of my kids have that like acting bug, which is funny. Um, my daughter but- actually goes to a specialized camp. You ever hear French Woods? No. So it's a performing arts camp. Okay. Um, and they could choose their own schedule and there's everything there. There's, I mean, plays and circus and visual arts. You make your own video uh, movies. It's incredible. Actually, a lot of movie stars send their kids there. Oh, where yeah. is it? It's upstate. Oh, okay. Yeah. I okay. mean, it's not a bougie camp by any means, right. but it's it's really, they have incredible um, at, uh, like teachers there okay. that teach if, if they're, she's really into that. Yeah, she really, yeah. that's like the one thing. So that's what I'm saying yeah. is like, it's it'll weed itself out and then she'll kind of gravitate towards else. something that mm-hmm. like she really likes. And I think it's probably acting and Koopa, who knows? So yeah. <laughs> I got her into a few things this past summer because I'm like, all right, what are you going to, you know, what's going to be your thing? So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually have some of my kids come volunteer at the center. Um, oh. Yeah. So we also do social skills groups. Okay. So a lot of the times that I see when, uh, children come together for social skills groups. They both have deficits in the same area, so it's not they're not really helping each other. Right. So um, my children come in and they are the peer models, mm-hmm. right, to help the other children, and it's really really rewarding for them, and they're seeing that they're helping other kids. Mm-hmm. So you know, often I bring them in to do that as well. Oh, so it's nice. Yeah, that is so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's important to build you know those those skills for sure. I yeah. think. Um, there's a lot, you know, like people say like, oh, there's they don't have needs to be in all these activities and stuff like that. But they're they're getting a lot. It's not just the, the skill, right, that they're learning, not the one specific skill, right, that they're signed up for. Like acting, for instance, is, you know, uh, teaching kids how to, you know, public speak and how to get up in front of a stage right. and how to, how to be, around, how each to be other. around each other and interact and not be on screen. And problem solve <laughs> and all right, of those things. Right. Um, so there's a lot of value to, you know, getting kids Agreed. involved in, into into all of these great activities that are available to us. So um, I could go on and on. (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, And anything special you like to do in Monmouth County? What's your favorite restaurant? 
So we always go to Peking Pavilion on 33. And they just redid it, They right? just redid it. I have um, to go there. I haven't been there in years. Best martinis. Okay. <laughs> we go there often and it's right near us. So that's yes. just like our staple. It's but like I 33, do, right? It's on 33. 30, yeah. so mm-hmm. I want to try La Lupa though. I've heard, I can't believe I live right there. We've never tried it. So I want to, I want to try it. I've yeah. been there once. Um, it was very good. It's teeny. So my I husband heard. was like very, he's like a bigger, he's like very claustrophobic, not claustrophobic, but he's like, you know, on top yes. of the next person. So just know that. But yeah, it is very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd like to go back there. But yeah, Peking, I'm going to go there this month. That's like. My husband would love it there. He's never been, oh, which wow. is funny because he grew up in Colts Neck and like had a lot of friends in Manalapan yeah. and stuff. And it's been there forever, um, I think. Right? Hasn't it been there for like it thirty has, years? But or be something? prepared to wait because it's oh really? Like, oh yeah. Okay. Even mm-hmm. before they redid it, or now even it's before like, they redid it. Okay. Even after. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. it looks really nice, and it's always good. I went there. We used to go like I when I used to sell wine. That was my account. Oh, I didn't so. know you did that. Yeah, I did that for like forever until I started Mom with Moms. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Good to know. So, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on my this pleasure been, um really interesting and you know there's uh, us you know in anything that lots of advancements in um in you know each resource mm-hmm. right that's available to parents so um i'd say you know the biggest thing is to advocate for your um for your child so i know i've been there and i know it's very frustrating and scary um where can everyone find you so we're, our website is speechtreecenter.com. If you just Google speech tree, we come up. Okay. Um, like I said, we have three locations, Princeton, uh-huh. Monroe, and Morganville. Um, and we are available to, you know, just provide services to families when they're not sure where to go, what to do. Even if you just call and you need information, you know, we're, we're here to, to help. And, um, you know, we take insurance. So a lot of families... It's a, it's a huge cost to them. Yeah. So we work with you know Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, oh, United Healthcare. Great. That's really so, good to yes, know. Yeah. Yes. So. Especially these days, it's like what, picking and choosing what you know. Mm-hmm. Living in New Jersey is not easy. No, <laughs> and we have a team of people just working with the insurance, but that's oh. not easy either. Yeah, I bet. So yeah, right. so just know that there are people out there to help you, even if it's not the speech tree, you know, and we may not be near you, if you. Go with your gut. If you feel like something is not right, you cannot go wrong with an evaluation. The worst mm-hmm. thing is, they say, or the best thing, your child is with the normal limits, right. age appropriate, and there's no issue. You don't need services. Yes. So, yeah. Perfect. Um, I'll also link where to find you in the text here under, mm-hmm. the, um, under the show and also on Instagram so um, moms can find you and make an appointment. Thank you again. My pleasure. Uh, it is holiday season in Monmouth County. I can't believe it. Um, I am, as always, I'm going to say this every year. It's like I'm not prepared at all for the holidays, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, lots of fun activities and events happening throughout the community. We have our holiday fun guide with all kinds of cool um uh, holiday uh, tree lightings and um, local events and um, gift shops and all kinds of fun. So make sure to check that out. We also have our um, holiday shopping guide that just went live um, with uh, Freehold Raceway Mall. We have our ongoing 12 days of giveaways. So make sure to check that out. Um, and then as we look to 2024, which will be around the corner now, um, we have our fitness and wellness guide, that annual guide that we put out for all fun um, wellness uh, resources with 
within the community for families. Um, we also have our Women in Business Guide that's coming out um, in, in January. So look for that. Uh, as you know, I love um, meeting and uh, and highlighting uh, local women in the community who are also business owners. So we do um, everything that we can to support them. And we're going to be putting together a really nice guide to showcase right all the incredible women who um, own and run businesses in Monmouth County. Um, so look for that. We also have an updated Littles and Newborn Guide. We kind of combine the two. We've done both in the past, but um, just a list of local places to bring um, your Littles. So if you have a newborn, there's all kinds of different resources available for you for everything from night nurses to doulas to um different uh, resources for mom and then also um, places for uh, mommy and me, right? So the play places and the indoor things, the outdoor things, um, the, you know, ways to meet other moms, which is, uh, which is you know, um, can be challenging, right? As a new mom, is, you know, you don't know, um, you want to be able to talk to people about stuff, but you don't know where to go. So we're going to have a cool list put together for that. So look for that in January too. So as always, working on a lot of cool things, um, make sure to check themomwithmoms.com for for all the updated info and subscribe to our newsletter to stay in the know and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks guys.